0: You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Hello Sport Podcast. Home of Unqualified Opinion and Unwavering Bias. Huge show today. Biggest show in our relatively young history, I would say, Edward. Comfortably. Comfortably. Now, our our guest today, I'll just go through some stats first, and I'll also apologize in advance that these stats are stripped straight from Wikipedia, and if incorrect. We will take it up with them straight to the lawyers, but uh, 168 tests for this great nation, 13,378 runs, average of 51.85 with 41 hundreds, 375 ODIs, Eddie, 13,704 runs, average of 42.03, 30 hundreds, obviously captain the country to two World Cups, Ashes victories, the list goes on and on. Believe also took five test wickets, which I felt like I should have known, but didn't know. Shocking nonetheless. The one and only, the great Ricky Puntup-Punting. Welcome to the show.
1: G'day, guys. Nice to be on. Absolute pleasure to have you, mate. How are you today? Are you ready to go?
2: I'm ready to go. A um, little bit stressed this time of day with all the running around you've got to do, picking up kids and getting into different places and things and whatever, but uh, no, ready to go. Looking forward to having a good chat with you boys, boys on all things sport and a little bit of wine later on. So um, yeah, it should be good fun.
0: Mate. So look, we, we will get into the wine. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, we've got a little wine tasting that we've set up as well. Ponting wines. We're very excited to, to try some. Mm. The first one we will be starting with is going to be the Sav Blanc. That's right. Um,
1: now the first session First session, Sab Blanc, ready to rip and tear.
0: Before we do that, though, we and you may be aware of this stat yourself, Ricky, that you are the greatest uh, coin tosser of all time based on wins as captain. Are you aware of that? (laughs) Across I thought, all you're gonna, I
2: thought you were going to leave the first
0: uh, word out of that, then just call me the greatest tosser of all the time, <laughs> No, no, <laughs> not yet. We've just not met, yeah. We don't want to get you off guard too early.
1: <laughs> but no one, no one could toss a coin like you, Ricky. Uh, 170 wins from 324 tosses, mate. I mean, really impressive stuff. I think around 52.47. Don't
0: quote me on that. Is that percentage?
1: About 52.47 percent success rate. Success rate. Very sharp stuff.
0: So we just wanted to maybe take you on in a coin toss first off, see how we go, if that's, if, if that's all right. Obviously, it's our home ground, so you call. But if you're happy, we're just going to flip a coin, get it going. So, it's look, let everyone know Ricky was not aware that he was going to be called upon to, no. to do this. But if you're comfortable, I'm about to toss for you. What do you reckon?
2: Yeah, I think there were a few little glitches there with the video though as well. So everything froze and then you were speeding up and going fast forward. So I caught most of it and I'm okay. happy to take you on in the coin toss. Beautiful. All That's right, all we'll we want do to-
0: that. We're at the mercy of the technology gods. Um, all right, I think we just go, Eddie, don't we? You, Flick.
1: Ricky, we'll get a call in the air, mate. All right, let's do it.
2: Yeah.
0: Heads. What's he got? It's a tail. It's a tail, Ricky. It's, it's a, a tail. tail. How does that affect his stats, it would, you that, hold, would,
2: you, would you mind holding that up so I can, we can actually prove that it was a tail without flipping it over? <laughs> can we, can oh, okay.
1: we say, yeah, it's Maybe. an akit. Look, it's it is a platypus, Ricky. We hate to do it, to um, we are now 100% against Australian captains Tom and I. Yeah, you, you, your percentage goes down only marginally. It's it's really you know, it's <laughs> not a say. it's not a big deal. It's no. not a big deal.
0: Um, but let's get the uh let's get the first session out here. Now we do have our butler Dave, um, who's come along to to make sure that we don't have to lift a finger. Mm. Um, so Dave, let's get that one going. Can you tell us a little bit about this one, Ricky? I like his attire, Dave. I
2: like your, yeah, he's I like d- your top half anyway. Yeah. <laughs> he's
0: dressed very nicely. He's,
1: um, yeah. The top half's great. He forgot uh, his pants, but that's <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, boys, you got the, you got the 2020 or 2021. Blanc in is it
2: the, the 2020 answer? or 2020 um, 2021?
1: We've got the 21, Ricky. Yeah, 21.
2: Yeah, so that's the that's Adelaide Hills uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are wine drinkers or not, but and, and if you are, you might not be Sauvignon Blanc drinkers. But this this has um, been at one wine show already. It actually got got 97 points. It's first ever uh, tasting this particular wine. So um, what we've tried to do with the brand, and you'll see as we go through as well. A bit of a theme going on with a bit of cricket stuff, but also a bit of talking about sort of my upbringing in Northern Tasmania a bit. Um, you know, meeting my wife and yeah. and how our love for wine has sort of grown uh, over the years together so uh the first session sort of talks about the first session of a test match and how important I always felt the first session of a test match was quite often um had a big bearing on the way the, the whole test match actually played out if you if you won the first session you quite uh, invariably go on and win the test match if you had a really poor first session of a test match you'd invariably go on and lose so there was always a lot of talk and hype and build up around the of the teams that I played in making sure we were ready for the first session of every test match that we played. So as sort of the, you know, the Sauvignon Blanc and the introductory wine, if you like, so the first wine in the, in the line, basically, we, we thought that that first session name um, was a good one to go with.
1: Uh, I tell you what,
0: it's, it's good. It's good drinking. Now, obviously, you know, we're we're fair and balanced and if it wasn't we'd tell you but this mm. is actually this is divine and we are wine drinkers we are we certainly are and tom as you pointed out
1: we can't tell lies it's it's bloody good stuff punter um it'd go lovely with a nice yeah, bit of white fish mate.
0: yeah how did you how did you how did you get into the wine game obviously you said that you and your missus uh you know it was a passion of yours was it something you were always planning on doing post-career was it or is it just like once you're you finished you just that was when it sort of became an option
2: yeah no we we never really talking about spoken about this venture up until about two and a half years ago when um when the, one of our business partners now david that you guys would know well um just basically on a phone call one day said well mate what do you think about the opportunity for you to you to start your own brand and start your own label and i said oh look just give me give me a few hours and i run it by rihanna and see what she thinks about it and and um, we were both really excited about the opportunity we, we never worked on our own business type things before you know we've got our own charity foundation which we've worked on together for you know 10 or 11 years now but we hadn't worked on our own business together so uh, we thought it was a great idea we're both passionate about wine um, we both love the industry the more we've been involved the last couple of years we've learned you know pretty much on a daily basis and. Um, I think the important thing for everyone to understand with this is that this is our business. You know, we're co-founders of the business. We work on the business each and every day, and it's, it's not like we're just sticking a label on a bottle and, and running away and hoping that we that we end up um, owning a successful business. We we want to we're in it for the long haul. Um, and at, at the end of the day, as I've said to the other business partners involved, um, longevity will be how I will perceive success on the brand. So hopefully, one day even my young bloke that's running around out the back now, now keeping a little bit quiet. It might be a, a business that he might even be interested in running down the
1: track as well.
0: Yeah, nice. And I mean, let's be honest, uh, the the tasting of wines and quality control, uh, a clear upside for this sort of a, a business venture, I'd imagine.
2: Yeah, well, that's why we've um, <laughs> that's why we've employed the people that we have. You know, Ben Riggs, uh, based in McLaren Vale, mm-hmm. is, you know, world renowned as, um, for his expertise in the, in the industry and you know i I said when we started it off that i'll do this if if we're fully invested and and we've got the right people involved i'm not going to ever go in sort of um half cocked if i'm involved in anything i go in flat out and want to be make it as successful as i can that's the sort of person i am and um, I guess you even saw that coin toss there. I wasn't even happy to lost that coin no. toss. So I'm no. pretty competitive. So I want to make sure I've
0: got some good wine out there in the marketplace. Yeah, I was nervous after we won that toss. I was like, yeah, look, <laughs> part of me wanted you to win it. I'll be honest. I wanted you to
1: win that toss. But again, I'm, I'm going to take a W if it's on offer. You've got
0: to take the W if it's on offer. Got to, you have we to have take to the w. w. I was going to ask for the best of three if that's possible. <laughs> I mean, we can give you another opportunity. We can pepper them out through our <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
1: Look, I mean, an Ashes Series 5 test, if you want to go five <laughs> tosses, we'd be happy to do yeah. that. Well, let's
0: give him one more now, all right? We'll give you one more while we're here. Why don't,
2: why, why don't we got? Yeah, we'll go another one now. Then we'll go another one before each wine.
0: Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Before each tasting. It'll yeah, yeah, take right. us to five. <laughs> okay, here you go. I'm going heads again. Where are we? again. Oh, it's tails. You're 2-0. <laughs> oh yeah, let's move on quickly. What else do you want to talk about? I don't know what that's going to do to your percentage. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm it's now behind. I had, a,
2: I had a winning percentage coming I in. Mean, I'm now behind
0: all Yeah, time. you're going down. you gotta
1: go. You got to go 0-3 three now, 3-0, three <laughs> yeah. to get the
0: W. Well, it has been done, but, it's I mean, it's done. tough. You're on the back foot. Um, we will get to the Ashes in a moment um, where, when we get onto this next wine. But, obviously, your nickname, punter. Oh, there's there's Punter Junior in the background there.
2: Yeah,
0: Um, there is. Yeah, so your nickname, obviously Punter. You've you've been into to to dogs. That's is that your main is that your poison in terms of what you like to punt on the most? Is it the dogs?
2: Yeah, it is. Um, I've got a lot more expertise in that field than I have uh, with the with the uh, the thoroughbreds. Normally, with the with the dogs, someone can just ask me for a tip, and I'll have enough knowledge of what's going on somewhere around the country to be able to find a reasonable a reasonable tip, but with the, uh, with the thoroughbreds, I'm, I'm always relying on someone else's mail to, to pass on for a tip. So, um, yeah, look, I've, I've owned and, and raced greyhounds for uh, 25 years, I guess. So I'm um, still doing it to, to this day. My father raced them, my grandfather raced them. So I sort of grew up with greyhounds in the family and around the family as pets and stuff as a young bloke. So it's uh, very much uh, part of me, that's for sure.
1: Where Tom and I are actually interested in getting our own dish liquor, we've talked about it for a couple of years now. What would you advise in terms of, of picking a good dog, a good pooch? Is there something that you know the untrained eye is not going to pick up?
2: Not really, because normally they're, they're sold <laughs> off at about the age of about three months old, they're, they're, they're only about a foot and a half long and about, <laughs> about a, a foot off the ground. So if you're trying to make a judgment on buying a puppet, Three months of age, um, no, it's it's it is really a bit of pot luck there. But obviously, like anything, like the horses as well, you can yeah. you can look back through their breeding, and you know, obviously, the better bred they are, uh, the more the better chance you've got of having some success. But you know, when you are breeding them as well, I mean, if you want to get, if you're looking at buying a pup, and there's just a bit a bit of advice for you guys, you might be better off buying three the first time around and, and sort of spreading your luck out, spending a little bit more, but giving yourself a bit, bit better chance of success.
1: Okay. Would you ever be interested in, and obviously you can say no in like a syndicate between obviously us and yourself?
0: Let's do it. Okay. Let's I, do it. Look, that's on camera though. So we will obviously, we're yeah, going to follow up. I'm going to follow that up because yeah.
1: none of this has been a joke. We've been to
0: by a perch for a long time. <laughs> you just offered. And uh, he's, and he's talked yeah, us into three my, dogs.
2: And I'm, I'm being serious. I'm being serious as well. I, I breed every, pretty much every year, every couple of years. So the next time I've got a litter on the ground, then I'll make sure we, we'll, uh, we'll get you guys involved in one. Perfect. That's, that, that is a
0: lot. 100%. Um, do we, I'll
2: overcharge, I'll, overchar- I'll overcharge because I've lost two tosses in a row. But that's yeah, all right. I'll Look, if we,
0: if we beat you five nil, it's, we get them for free. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: You get a free carry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say this, if there's one man that can overcharge me, it's you. So, oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. No there. All right. Well, let's get on to the pinnacle, Dave. If you could come over and, and pour a couple. Uh, now this is the Shiraz. Yep. It believe. is. It is. No,
0: well, I'm actually going to have some of this one as well. Beautiful. Love that. Eddie, let's do a palate cleanser. we got a cleanser here. We don't want to be taking this seriously. Just Thank got you, the Dad. palate cleanser in there, Ricky. We didn't yeah. want to uh we wanted to have the the Sav Blanc um out of the the taste. Oh well, Dave, you're getting it on the table. Sorry, Ricky, this is embarrassing. Our um our waiter is uh, hopeless, man. Yeah, he's gonna be sacked as soon as the as soon as you uh you leave. Um so give us a little bit of a, of a spiel on this one, mate. Uh, so
2: Pinnacle Shiraz, this is a McLaren Vale where our uh, very esteemed winemaker, Ben Riggs is based. So he's got a pretty good understanding and idea of how, how to make a, a McLaren Vale Shiraz. Yep. Um, the, so, and the, the name, the Pinnacle. So as I said at the start, we're trying to tell some story and t- talk a bit about cricket and um and it's a pretty appropriate time to be talking about this, actually, because the Ashes series is only a couple of weeks away. So when I refer to the pinnacle, that's what I talk about. I talk about Ashes cricket. As far as I'm concerned, um, Ashes cricket is the pinnacle of our sport, not just the battles between Australia and England. But I think if you look back um, on the world game, if there's one thing that people would probably most talk about, it would probably be talk about an Ashes series. You know, 150-year rivalry, um, and and it has sort of swung and ebbed and flowed both ways through the through the years and through the generations. So uh, and to, to this day, there's only one thing I miss from actually playing the game, and that's that's playing an Ashes Test match. So if I could have one game all over again, it'd, it'd absolutely be an Ashes Test match, and probably at the MCG. So that's where that uh, that's where that pinnacle name comes from. Um, as you guys said, you know a bit about wine drinkers, so you'll you'll probably you'll be able to taste there, the difference between a McLaren Vale Shiraz and a Barossa Shiraz. This is a bit of a not quite as big and hard and heavy. It doesn't
1: hit your back and throat like a Barossa does. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely lighter. It's a lot lighter, but
0: a lot smoother. It's
1: delicious. It's unbelievable.
0: So, I mean, while we're we're talking ashes, the squad was released yesterday. Um, What are your thoughts on it? I guess, to my understanding, uh, everyone said that um, Marcus Harris will be he's sort of already been anointed as going to be uh, at the top of the order with Dave. Is that sort of then just leaving the, uh, the, the fifth position between Usman and Travis Head uh, up for debate, really? Is that sort of where it is? And, and if that is the case, where do you see – who do you see getting the spot?
2: Yeah, I think it's um, – I think even just listening to some of the commentary yesterday, I think Marcus Harris was actually told a few weeks ago that he was going to be the opener um, with – the unfortunate circumstances, again, around um, Will Pukowski and yeah. suffering, I think, his 11th concussion. He's missed the last couple of Sheffield Shield games for Victoria, which pretty much rules him out of selection for the first test. So Marcus Harris will open. Yeah, and it definitely will come down to Travis Head or Usman Kawaja for that number five slot. Um, look, my logic with, with that, I think it's a pretty big deal, I reckon, for the selectors to go back on someone like Kawaja, who's in his mid-30s, who's not been around the test team for the last couple of years. Um, it would seem strange to me that they would make a call like that and then not play in the in the first test. So I think, and he's been in sensational form at the start of the Sheffield Shield season. So I'm leaning towards Kawaja playing and batting at number five. Um, and it, there might even be a little bit of competition for one of the fast bowling slots as well with um, Jai Richardson bowling as well as he is at the moment. He's been included in the squad. Uh, Mitchell Starks, um, certainly his, his form in the last few T20 games was a little bit off. Um, but if there's conditions that will suit someone like Mitchell Stark, it is going to be Brisbane and obviously going to be the second test in Adelaide with the pink ball where he absolutely excels. So, you know, Payne will obviously be the captain. Nathan Lyon will be the off spinner. Uh, Warner will open with Harris. Lavishane, three, Smith, four. And as I said, I'm pretty sure Kawaja will get that five slot.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, that makes sense to us. Yeah. What it when, On Pekovsky, Do you have anything much to do with him? And with someone in his position, obviously a young kid, he's now he's played test cricket, but he's got, obviously he's had these head knocks. Do you have a word to him and try and like give him some words of advice? Is is it a technique issue that he keeps getting hit in the head? Is it that like you've got a helmet? So you're a little less concerned about it. Is it, is he just sort of an outlier in this situation?
2: Uh, look to be honest I, I think he's a bit of an outlier I think you know a lot of guys a lot of guys get hit in the head, but because he's had so many bad concussions earlier in his career, pretty much every time he gets a little uh, hit on the head now it's a pretty serious concussion that he suffers so um but saying that, I mean the fact that he's had eleven concussions is is you know there's there's got to be something technically wrong there somewhere as well mm. um and I have, but look, I've caught up with him a couple of times. He's, he lives here in, in Melbourne where I live, obviously. He's managed by the same management group as me. And I, so I've had a few conversations with him. But, you know, it's it's not for me to try and get involved in anything like that. It's, pretty, it's a pretty delicate situation, I think, that he finds himself in and probably the Cricket Australia find themselves in as well. Um, so we, I was only saying this yesterday to a few people. I just, i go to bed every night, just crossing my fingers and hoping that I wake up the next day and then he's, that he's okay. And he's going to be back playing for Victoria again. And he, he gets a chance to play for Australia again, because that one test he did play at the SCG, he, he absolutely looked at home. You know, he's, he's been talked about as, as being significantly better than any of the other young players we've got coming through in Australia. And, um, you know, we, we don't want to miss out on, on that talent, getting an opportunity to play. But first and foremost, we're going to look after his health and hope that he's he's healthy enough to, to get back playing for Victoria again.
1: Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for the Balkan Bulldog. But, Ricky, I just want to get your opinion on something. So if I run an eye over the current test setup, it it seems to me that there's a lot of uh, sort of wax chess and a lot of lacking body hair. I mean, we've got a proud history as a nation of having the big mo the big chest hair, the hairy arms. Like you've got the, the, the thickest, hairiest forearms in arguably world sport. And I just wonder if we're missing a bit of a trick there with these young pups that have got, yeah. you know, no are hair on the body. To are the you same.
0: conflicted seeing some of the, the next generation of smooth-bodied sort mm. of, you know, watch endorsements, blue-eyed sort of cricketers? Are you like, what the fuck's going on here? Where's the, where's the arm? Have hand? we lost our way?
2: Yeah, well, don't, let's not forget, we've still got Glenn Maxwell and those sort of guys around the team as well. And he is – you guys talk about my hairy forearms. He's, he's got mine covered quite
0: easily. So,
2: and the reason I wore this long sleeve jumper today was so mine weren't sort of standing out on camera.
0: So, oh, please. Um, mate, we'll get, yeah, we'll we'll get, we'll get 100,000 more views I if those forearms with, are out, Ricky.
2: Yeah. I, I played with a few of those boys that you're talking about that, that you couldn't walk through the change rooms, uh, the toilets in the change rooms without having a look at themselves in the mirror. Um, <laughs> couple of blonde guys that sort of spring to mind. Brett Lee didn't mind having a bit of a look at himself and, and Shane Watson wasn't, wasn't far behind him. They actually, they generally shared the hand basin together before we took the, the day's play sort of slicking the hair back and putting a bit of gel in. So um, no, look, I, I play with a few of those boys, but there's no doubt that, you know, there's no, there's no David Boones and Merv Hughes in this current squad of players. That's for sure.
0: No, no there's no. not. And that's what worries me. That's the only concern we
1: have. Otherwise, Although, well, I think we're good to go. I think yeah. we're looking at five 0 It's just it's the body hair, and I I don't know where I sit. They've with They've got
0: it. Gillette sponsorships and shit. It's like I don't yeah. know.
1: I just let's let it grow. Men out. used to be men, Tom. Yeah, men used to be men, and it seems like bring that's back past. The, bring back the
2: Mo. Yeah, Bring exactly.
1: back the Mo. I get the Johnson mustache back again. That's it, Ricky. In all honesty, though, what do you? How do you think our fortunes are looking for this upcoming Ashes series? Tom and I are pretty bullish on five – how do you see it?
2: Um, I actually heard Glenn McGrath say the other day he thought it was going to be seven <laughs> nil. Um, he's always the one that comes out with these outrageous predictions. But um, no, look, I think I think, I think Australia will win. I've just got a feeling it might be a little bit closer than what everyone is suggesting. Um, you know, England have definitely got a few you know big holes in their team. Can they take twenty wickets a Test match with Anderson abroad? And you know, at the back end of their careers. Uh, are their spinners going to be good enough to have an impact on the, you know, in, in Sydney and Melbourne the last couple of days uh, is their top order batting um, technique, technically wise, are they going to be good enough? But I think we had, we asked all these questions last summer as well, didn't we? The Indian team, especially after Coley left and they got bought out for 36 in Adelaide. It was like, Oh, here we go. Australia are going to win this five nil. And we all know what happened there. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's going to be maybe quite as easy as as everyone is sort of suggests. And and you know what? To be honest, I'm like, oh, I would love to see Australia win five nil. But if um, because with my you know ex players and ex captains hat on, but as a commentator now and someone that just loves watching an Ashes contest, I I hope it is a lot closer. I hope it's a real you know fair dinkum hardcore Ashes battle because that's that's what I'd love to see.
1: Yeah. We haven't had that in Australia for a while. Well, we're just used to 5 nil whitewashers, Eddie. <laughs> 5 nils, 4 nils, 5 Yeah, nils. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um,
0: one to, Back on just to the selection side of things, off the back of the T20 uh, World Cup win, there was a bit of a yarn. Like, again, it was only for like a couple of days because the test squad was announced so quickly, but there was a lot of sort of heat on Mitch Marsh after the way he performed. He's picked an Australia A side. Do you think he's any chance or is he... Is Cam Green sort of got that all-rounder spot locked up?
2: Very good question, actually, because I I actually thought they could have played both of them together. I thought they could have played Marsh and Cam Green in the same team, just on the back of uh, Marsh's batting form at the moment. Don't worry about his bowling. They've got Green there to do the the all-rounder's bowling side of things. But everything I heard coming out of the UAE was how Mitch has been, you know, he's in career best form. I know he's only been playing short-form cricket for – the last few months and even his prep I listened to an interview before he went over to the world cup and he basically said then all that he's been doing is concentrating on hitting hitting sixes in any any game that he's played in any training session he's just been going turning up and trying to hit bombs every day and in fact actually pulled himself out of a sheffield shield game just before they left to go to the world cup so he didn't want to get you know his, his preparation sort of confused a little bit but um We also shouldn't forget that he actually played the last Ashes test. He played the last test uh, at the Oval uh, in 2019 and actually took five wickets in that game. And then without punching the the dressing room uh, door in Perth at the start of last summer, he would have been in the test team at the start of last summer and probably played all those tests against India. So you can put up a pretty good case as to why at least he could have been in the squad. It didn't make much sense to have Kawaja and Head two left-handers, both quite similar players. Maybe they could have one of those and Mitch Marsh and then, you know, make the decision closer to the game on, on which one's batting better
0: going in. So it sounds like would you, if, if you were making that call, you would have had Mitch, do you reckon in this, in this first, for this first test, would you have had him at five?
2: I would have had him in the squad. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And at least if they had him in the squad, um, they, they could have, I know, as I said, he's been working only on his T20 cricket, but that's that's professional cricket now. You've, you've got to switch from one format to the other really quickly anyway. And I think he's talented enough. The fact that he's pretty much just won Australia a World Cup, he's not ever going to get more confident than he is right now. Mm. Um, and I think he, he's got the talent to, a bit, to be able to switch over from one format to the other. So I would have had him in the squad just to see what's, what he can do uh, in the nets against those boys of the Red Bull.
1: Yeah, that makes yeah. sense to me. I'd take that. I'd take that. Mate, he won the World Cup. Yeah pretty good
0: formula i like mitch I'm I'm a, I'm a, we're mitch, mitch fans here swamp junior, junior. Well, that's the other
1: that's the,
2: actually that's the other part of this as well boys is that everyone in the team loves him so to have someone like that around like he's an infection he's got a great attitude you know big uh happy sort of character around the team and i think that's why you saw everyone rush onto the field at the end of that t20 world cup because everyone was just so thrilled that it was mitch that was doing it you know he's been maligned over his career and uh, to come back the way that he did and, and win a World Cup, and you can see his mates run out and pick him up and carry him around. It, it, they were all pretty happy for him.
0: And you, you saw that in the 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 Amazon series, the test as well, where I think at one point in one of the scenes he sort of said, "Look, I'm going to be going for a walk every day to get a coffee. You can come with me if you don't if you want. If you don't want to, all good. But like, if you need to sort of just get away, I'm there." And I was like, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, he just seems like an absolute legend of a bloke." Is that yeah, why
1: he's, he's a ripper? Because he's been talked about before for like
0: potential Australian captain. Was he, he a vice captain once? Sorry, I mean this is—it's you know, not part of the. interview. No, was, I, just, was I think he, he was. Actually, he was vice yeah, captain. Yeah, he he was, was, and that
2: was—and that, that was actually voted by the team. I know that, that Justin and the hierarchy around the team at the time—it was, was straight after South Africa, straight after the Sandpaper Gate thing, when um, Tim Payne got obviously voted as captain. I think it was was Mitch it was Mitch Marsh and Travis Head maybe. It might have been, I think, that got voted in as dual vice-captains at that that particular time. Now, neither of them are in the team. So, um,
0: (laughs) yeah, maybe there's something that comes with the vice-captain of Australia. Who's the next skipper?
2: I think it's Pat. I think Pat's um, going to do it. Um, You know, I think there'll be some probably some chat around whether it should be Smith going back into that role for the last few years of his career. Um, That'll probably come down to whether – you know, one, if Steven wants to actually go back and do that again, or if he just wants to finish his career as a, as a player, Um, it might also be what Cricket Australia think is right. And what the, what the public actually believe is the right thing to do, whether the public would actually allow him to come back and captain Australia again is, an, is another, is another conversation. So, but I think right now, I think, you know, Pat, he's, he's a terrific guy, obviously on top of his game, um, presents himself really well, really really well respected by the public and by all the players most importantly and um, I think he'd do a good job if he actually does take it on.
1: There's a lot of chat around whether or not a fast bowler could captain the side. Do you reckon that's all bullshit? Like at the end of the day, does it matter?
2: Um, it's never really, we haven't been too many teams where it's worked and probably through the years, or through the ages, there probably haven't been too many um, fast bowlers that have been captains of their countries but I think with the right the right vice captain around him, then there's absolutely no reason why it couldn't work i think where it where it gets a bit confusing i reckon with the with the fast bowlers is you know and there's a couple of occasions last summer where Pat bowled six eight ten over spells because the captain was making him <laughs> and it was the right thing for the team at the time but if he's if he's the captain and he's probably he's getting a bit tired and a bit weary he's probably looking around at someone else and not saying that he's trying to shirk the issue or whatever but He's probably looking around thinking, "Well, oh, there might be someone else that's better to do this than me right now because the way that I'm feeling when deep down, the team just need him to keep pushing on. So that's why I think if he is the captain, it just needs a, the right vice captain there underneath him um, to help him through as well.
0: Yeah, right, because, I mean, you don't want to be going, like, I don't know whether the feeling would be like, "Do is it coming across that I'm just bowling myself because I'm skipper when really I should also be like, you know. Um, in terms of being a captain, though, like, What's the pressure like for you was it was it something that that maybe you got it got easier but like when you were first brought in as captain is that pressure overwhelming like as Australians it's like is it the second thing after prime minister it's or the, the prime second minister most, the second it's after the second
1: most important job after the prime minister you could argue more It's important, more important I yeah. would say
0: but yeah what is that like and how quickly are you, do you get comfortable with it or do you never get comfortable with it
2: Yeah it's a it's a once again another interesting question because I actually think it, it I think it gets harder I think when you I think when you come into the job there's probably less expectation on you as a new captain as there is that's a perform captain and then the country expects you to keep winning all the time yeah, um, and I think there's a it's there's a bit of a honeymoon period I think that goes with it as well where you're just enjoying it all so much and whatever comes in front of you you just accept and take on and and you're learning all the time about your teammates and what little ways to make them better and improve them as individual players and I think even the way that you talk to the team, you know, and 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 present yourself to the team, the more you've done that, if you've done that for three or four years, then you can understand that that side of actually gets a bit harder as well. You've got to, you know, keep reinventing yourself as a leader, like almost series by series. So I think the longer you stay there, the harder it is. Um, I, I actually think there's a, I'm a great believer in this, in, in most leadership roles in not only in sport, but in business as well. I think there's a shelf life for, for leaders. Um, for that fact, I think it just gets harder and harder to keep, um, recreating and and reinventing yourself year on year.
0: Was there ever a point where you were like, where like, cause you know, obviously like if the media start getting on you, was there ever a point where you're like, fuck this? You know what I mean? Like to you like, it got a little bit overwhelming or like it got too much.
2: Yeah, when we lost the two thousand five Ashes, it probably wasn't the easiest time of my career to deal with. <laughs> and I was only a couple of years into the job at that stage. So I was, you know, when over in England and the team not performing as well as we could. And then we eventually lost the Ashes at the oval. It was like, okay, this is this is what captaining Australia is all about. Because before that, you know, I come into the the one day the team in 2003 and captained that to a World Cup win only a few months after I got the captaincy and the start of the test captaincy went quite smoothly as well with a, a pretty good team that I took over and then yeah, I found out what captaincy and leadership was all about when we lost in 05, but um, yeah, we, luckily we were able to bounce back in 06, 07 and, and uh, the, the ship sort of uh, righted itself for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've forgotten about 2005, I think as a nation. Yeah, we're absolutely. We just put a complete line. No, it. no,
0: no, I went from 2003 to 2006 basically That's just right. in my life. That's um, right. Should we look at the 127, I top? think we go the 127, the Barossa Shiraz, and whilst we get Dave out here, I think we also get to giving Ricky another shot at a coin toss it's been a nightmare for him so far. Yeah, we're better, we better actually. It's, uh, it's game over for me. Uh, i not going to win this one. Yes, yeah, this is series deciding. Sorry to do it to you. It um. All right. Well, as Dave's getting it ready, we'll get you to call it in the air, Ricky. Ooh. Heads. Yeah, it's a heads. It's a heads. He's it's back. Head. He's back. There <laughs> we go. 2-1. All right. Right,
2: yeah, I'll start. I'll, go, I'll start giving some proper answers now. I've been a bit <laughs> flat the last half now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> So the 127, Barossa Shiraz, um, what can the punters and the dribblers, who that's, yeah, our that's audience. Yeah, our, that's our
0: audience is the punters but and the dribblers. That's that the that collective is, for them.
1: <laughs> what can they expect, Mark?
0: Yeah, well, well, they might not
2: notice much difference between the, the pinnacle Shiraz, McLaren Vale, and this particular one. But um, <laughs> for the not-so-educated, I guess, Barossa Shiraz is normally um, – uh, what would you say? A lot more intrusive. It's a lot bigger. Normally, you'll taste it and it'll smell, feel really smooth at the start. Then it'll hit you right at the back of the throat and a bit of an aftertaste at the end. The generally bigger, heavier um, Shirazes. This one we've tried to put with Ben and, and my sort of input into this wine. We've tried to sort of create a more modern, if you like, modern take or a more elegant sort of take on a Barossa Shiraz. So this one isn't anywhere near as big as some of the others that you'll taste from that region. It is a lot smoother and as I said, um more elegant. As far as I'm concerned, and I know this the price point on this wine is a little bit different than the pinnacle, but um this is actually my favorite wine in the entire range. It's um it's it's really, really good. Um, Lovely. Now the name of it, going back to the storytelling stuff again, um this is part of what we get what we're going to call the milestone range. So this will sit above uh the pinnacle and the first session price wise. So it'll be another tier up. Um, and this one, the 127, actually talks about my first uh, Test hundred, and it was an Ashes hundred at Headingley in 1997. Um, yeah, so 127 um, shared a 300-something run partnership with Matthew Elliott, um, and it ended up being a, a winning Test match. So um, yeah, that's this will be this is the first one in that milestone range, and we'll we'll add a, another couple, probably another couple of milestones um, in the next vintage next year.
1: What's the first Test hundred like? Like when you
0: take the helmet off, when you raise the bat. Did you, just,
1: obviously-
0: did, you have, did you have the goatee at that stage as well, which I think you should bring back personally. Did you have the goatee when you got your first oh. Test 100 or was that when you almost got the ton and you got out on like 98? Sorry to bring that up.
2: Yeah, you know what? I reckon I might have. I reckon I might have had the goatee in 97. I definitely did in, on debut um, yeah, when, I made, when I made 96 in Perth. I definitely had the goatee then um and I, it was, i'm pretty sure i did in 97 because i remember at the start of the tour i had the go and you know, i said to maddie elliott um if you get a 100 at all in the series i'll keep it on you got a 100 in the first test or something the first or second test at, at lords and um so there i was stuck with the remainder for the, the remainder of the ashes series so i wasn't i actually wasn't in the team at the start of that tour um, i missed the first couple of games and then came in for that test match at headingley actually to, to replace michael bevan so I had to, if, if I hadn't have had that bet with Matthew Elliott, I would have gone in as a fresh-faced, uh, cleanly-shaven young lad from Tasmania, but no, I went in with the, uh, the Mowbray Eagles <laughs> goatee look um, for that, my first Test match back into
1: the team. You could also make the argument, and I'll make it, that you might have been picked on the goatee. Goatee alone. Like Bevan's out, who we got, punters there, got the Mo. <laughs> He's got the goatee there. he got the goatee, Let's right. get him in. Let's get him in. Let's give him a crack. I think that makes sense. I know, sense. you would have picked me. What,
2: what you had to say earlier on, I would have been first picked in your team if Mate, that's the case.
0: you'd be oh, first picked in every team. 100%. Ever
1: 100%. Punters a Drillers, today's episode brought to you by Good Day. Bang, Rose on there, Code Manly, fifty bucks off a case. Pretty fucking generous if you ask me. But we love the punter and we love the dribbler. And we're just like, let's get this vintage out
0: there to the people that yeah. want it most. Let's get it in the gullets of the nation. That's right. Gull it up. What's so what uh, I imagine a great deal of relief when you get your first test ton, as well as like satisfaction. But is it something that's like you can I mean you got so you got so close in Perth. Um you assume you're going to get it at some point, but it must be quite a relief when you finally do. Also, in England, in an Ashes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had been close a few times before. You know, first, as I said, that first uh, first game in Perth '96. There, I, I got 88 against the West Indies as well. I think a couple of seasons before this Test match that we we're talking about here at at, at Headingley. So, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I always had great faith in the talent that I had and great faith in my ability, but when you've played. You know five six seven test matches and you haven't got a hundred yet, then you know the doubts do start creeping in a little bit um and it probably helped with that one that i that I you know I wasn't in the team that was my first crack back at it again, so you know I wanted to make sure when I got my next chance that i was that I was ready and I, and I grabbed that opportunity with both hands and uh thankfully, I did that day so there is a fair bit of relief that comes with it. I remember Matthew Hayden saying, I think at the time Matty Hayden had scored twenty odd First-class hundreds for Queensland, and he, he scored a lot of runs in Canada cricket, but hadn't made a Test hundred. Then he finally got his first Test hundred, and he said, "Oh, now I actually now I actually believe that I can do it." And I thought, it can't be that much different. Like from 20 first-class hundreds, he dominated, you know, first-class cricket in, in Australia for you know four or five seasons. I'm th- sitting back thinking that nah, it can't be that much different, Haydos. What, what are you talking about? But you know, when you put yourself in that situation, it, it, it is a little bit different. So, uh, yeah, certainly a bit of a, a monkey off the back when you get your first one.
1: Did you ever think that you'd score 40 more? (laughs) Which is outrageous.
2: Yeah, well, I I didn't, I wasn't sure how long I was going to play for. I mean, you have to play for a long time, don't you, for that to happen? Um, So, yeah, and, well, yeah, I mean, through the the middle of my career when I started to find a bit more consistency and, you know, even when the captaincy came along and and my move up to number three, a lot of things sort of happened for me at exactly the right time, even meeting, meeting Rihanna, meeting my wife and stuff. All the sort of stars started to align, and it was when I was sort of coming into my, my my prime, I guess, as a player. And and the one thing we're all all of us were doing back then, everyone was chasing Sachin. That's all we were doing. Like Lara and myself and Callis and Sangakara and these guys, we Sachin had set the, the bar so high that we were just setting sail out after him and trying to trying to catch him. And I I remember it towards the you know maybe. Towards the back end of my career somewhere, two or three years ago in my career. I was only I was only a couple of hundreds behind him. I thought oh, I'm I'm gonna get him here, I'm gonna get him. And when I started saying that, I got further and further away. He kicked <laughs> he kicked Clears like he found another gear in the home straight and left me four or five lengths behind. So um yeah. So it looked forty one test match hundreds. I've got to, I've gotta be pretty happy with that, I guess, at, at the end of
0: the day. Absolutely you do. I play a twenty twenty comp every Sunday, Ricky, and I'm at nine fifties, which is a hundred in the tournament, so I can understand what it's like to score a bulk of runs for your team. Uh, not a country at this point, but there are actually international <laughs> tournaments. I don't know. I'm um, well, 32 to go, mate. Well, exactly. Not far off. Um, you were just talking about, you know, Sachin and and Brian Lahr and, and the like. Obviously now with players playing, you know, every 2020 tournament around the world, they are there's a lot more sort of opportunity for them to get to know each other and all that sort of stuff. Were you able to – did you have relationships with these players back then outside of um, – you know, when you'd come up against him in a test series. <laughs> hurry up,
2: hurry up and follow him. Your mum's didn't go there. <laughs> um, did we have a, Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, and you had better relationships with some more than others. Um, La, Brian Lara and I spent a lot of time together. I got, to, I got to know Brian Lara really well on my first tour, which was to the West Indies in 1995. Once again, I wasn't playing. Justin Langer and I were the two reserve players and Lara was an absolute world sensation at that stage and I got to so I got to know him quite well there and we've got a we've got a really good strong relationship now we catch up whenever we can anywhere around the world and we've been able to play a lot of golf together and things like that so um and not so much Sachin was a bit more of a clothes clothes sort of character didn't like to give too much away um and even just the Indian culture you know you never really spent much time with them in their dressing room at the end of a test match they'd be packed up and gone half an hour after the game if even if they had won and you know, we we would have lost the test match to them and would still be in the change rooms five or six hours later. So <laughs> the cultures were slightly different. but um, And I got asked this question the other night as well with, with Ashes Cricket. I did a function with Ian Botham the other night that's out here going to be working with us on uh, Channel 7 commentary. And he was talking about the good old days where they get they sit in the change rooms together after each day's play of a <laughs> test match and have half a dozen beers together <laughs> every day. And I was thinking, hang on, would in my day, we, I didn't want to talk to one of those English players until the end of the fifth test match. And if we had one or two beers together, then that was probably enough for me. So, um, yeah, wow, things, wow. things have changed a bit. But IPL, IPL certainly brought a lot of these players uh, a lot closer together, uh, more so than ever.
1: That So you're telling me that the Australians and the English should sit there and have half a dozen beers after each day's play?
0: That's crazy. That's that like is... in the war when they're at Christmas at Armistice or, or not yeah. Armistice, when they go and they kick the soccer ball at Christmas time.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Mid-test. Good lord. Unbelievable.
1: Mate, have you got a favourite Ashes memory? Like, mine's probably Amazing Adelaide. I didn't play, but I just... You didn't?
0: Oh, I thought you... I oh,
1: know. I'm just... T- I don't know if Ricky remembers if I played <laughs> or not, but I didn't just to clear that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, late up, you know, if you're up late at night, you might put Amazing Adelaide on and sort of... Well, yeah, we've got another question around that. Rip we'll, through it. Do you
0: have a favourite moment? you got a favourite moment? Yeah.
1: Oh,
2: I mean, that, yeah, the one, you bring up is pretty, the one you bring up is pretty hard to go past, isn't it? I mean, that was a pretty remarkable Test match win. In fact, that, that whole summer probably ends up being my best Ashes memory. Um, j- just the way that we played. I mean, the, the roles were, were completely reversed. In 2005, when we went to England... We were unbeatable. You know, England couldn't compete against us. They couldn't win. Uh, sure enough, they pipped us and they won that series. And then, in 6 7 because they'd beaten us in 05, um, and there was a bit of talk around our team about some of the senior boys being past it and being a bit too old, and it was time we had to move on, and um, the exact opposite happened. So when they arrived, all the talk was about them, and, um, you know, I and the other senior boys weren't having a bar of that, and we were pretty hell bent on making sure that we um, we turn things around um, and back to the the way that things are supposed to be in Ashes series. And um, yeah, we we got off to a great start in Brisbane. And then when we won won that test match in Adelaide, I remember just saying then that there's, there's no way that this team now after what's just happened in this game, there's no way that England can actually even be competitive in one of the remaining test matches that that would have just absolutely crushed them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eddie mentioned there just in the sense that Amazing Adelaide is something that everyone likes to go back on. There's YouTube clips where you can just go and sort of get stuck in. You can watch like there's like a three-hour recap, which is yeah, good watching. Which is nice. Are you aware of the 19-minute ode to your runouts that's on YouTube that's largely consumed between the hours of midnight to 5 a.m. by young men of our age across the nation? Uh-huh.
2: Can you send me the link.
0: I'm <laughs> oh, <maybe we're> happy <laughs> yeah. to. Happy to. Happy to. <laughs> and there's plenty no, of them. There's no, the no, one, yeah, one I, for the run I, I am aware Your of it. You know,
2: one of my mates the other day actually, he's he's got a 12 year old son that's an absolute cricket tragic. And um, it was when I was away during the IPL. Actually, um, I got a message from him saying exactly the same thing. Are you aware of this run out compilation thing that's out there that you can watch? And so that was when I first found out about it. And Apparently, his son just watches it on on repeat. I think over and over. So,
0: do you ever go back like and watch and any of your like of your greatest moments? Like, obviously, not in not and like I'm being a bit facetious, not necessarily in like a self indulgent way, but like, you know, you ever want to go back and see nostalgia, out for a nostalgic purpose, go back and you can watch sort of an innings that you had.
2: Yeah, I've I've actually yeah, I'm, I'm pro- people probably wouldn't think that I would do this, but I have a, in a couple. I've watched the one that we're just talking about here. That's on the front of that. Um, wine bottle that 127 so my first ever test 100 just to go back then and think about like how young I was and how naive I was and my first 100 and you know all, all that stuff and even just to watch the way that I played then compared to the way that I played in the latter my latter part of my career so just to, I've, I've done that I've looked at I've looked at the um world cup innings in you know, three world cup final as well I've looked at that one a couple of times um I have never had it on when anyone else has been around. But yeah, yeah, it's just, no. uh, when I've got a bit of quiet time in <laughs> quarantine or something, then the lap,
1: the,
0: the iPad comes out yeah, yeah. for a few minutes here and there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Get, your, having a rough day, didn't get much sleep. You're yeah. no,
1: like, you know what, I, I might Pull just, yourself a nice one two seven Brosser Sharade. Uh, lock the office door. Lock the office door. <laughs> yeah, put
0: the feet up. Get a cigar <laughs> out. <laughs> that sounds unbelievable. Wanted to um well, we'll get to the close of play in just a moment. Edward Ricky's uh, golf, golfing exploits yeah, precede him. They do. Now, I remember reading
1: this article uh, years and years ago, but I dug it up again today. Gary Player of Nine Majors fame reckons that you picked the wrong sport and that you should have you played golf instead. Is that, is that true? Are those words correct?
2: Yeah, he did say that. Uh, to me, there and then, but he'd only seen me hit two tee shots. That's all he'd seen. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I played in a golf day that um for the Laureus World Sports Awards. Actually, we're over in uh, I think where we were Portugal or somewhere. Um, he was standing on one. So we were playing the golf day. He was standing on one tee. Uh, I got to the tee and it was a it was a driver hole. Uh, so he sort of stood behind us all, and I teed it up and. Uh let one let one rip and got pretty good and he said he looked at me, said, Son, I said no, he said, someone throw me another ball. Son, I want to see you do that again. So someone threw me another ball and I teed it up and went back and went bang and hit the exact same shot again. And he stopped me there. And then he said, You've most definitely chosen the wrong sport. <laughs> so um but he probably he's probably said that to a million people in his lifetime. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one he's said that to. He's probably anyone that's hit a good shot golf shot in front of him. He's probably said that about them. But, <laughs> I'll give you uh, the hot tip. No, too. look, it's been as you say. It's been one of the golf's been one of the you know the loves of my life. You know, I grew up with the sport. My dad was a a very very good player. Dad was a scratch marker at the age of 14 or 15. And, wow. Um. So I've just grown up around the game. My brother played state golf as well for Tasmania. Um, my sister's won some club championships at our local club. Um, So yeah, it's a pretty competitive environment in the Ponting household. When, when we get all get back together in, in Tassie and we get the golf clubs out, it's, it's, it's on for young and old.
1: Who gets the chockies, mate? Do you, that competitive streak in you, I've seen it with the coin toss. I can't imagine that you roll over and let them get the W.
2: I don't roll over. Um, (laughs) Although sort of getting to the stage now dad's 70 now so it's getting harder and harder for him to sort of keep up with the, his younger his boys so we, we we let him win every now and then just so he, he makes we make sure that he buys the beers anyway yeah. when, we, when we finish
0: i don't know if i believe him i, th- I think i see a no mercy streak <laughs> in ricky where he just pumps dad every time <laughs> sorry, well if dad mate. gets lippy <laughs> yeah. you know
1: if dad gets lippy right, mate
0: <laughs> not my fault you're yeah. 70 dad i'm sorry <laughs> okay. Okay. life what are you, lessons
1: what are you playing off these days
2: I'm off one these days, um, so I still, yeah, I still, I mean, I still play a lot of golf. I, I was a lot better than that when I first retired. When I first retired, eight, seven or eight years ago, and sort of was able to dedicate a, a lot more time to the game. I moved to Melbourne and I was playing at Royal Melbourne at the time. I think I got to about plus three at one stage, and um, so yeah, I've drifted out a little bit since then. And the way that I'm going as well, sort of heading inching my way towards fifty. Um, it won't be long until I'm out into those mid single figures as well.
0: We were, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about trying to get on at Elliston. Elliston. Elliston, sorry, forgive me. Have you ever played there?
2: No, I haven't. I haven't played Elliston, actually. No, I've um I've had a few opportunities too, but it's, uh, living in Melbourne, it's a bit of a trip. It's a bit of a trek to get there where you've got to fly to and then where you've got to drive. <laughs> uh. I mean, I'm making excuses there. I think it's, uh, for everything I've heard, it's a, it's a almost a once in a lifetime opportunity. Sounds like a pretty amazing place, but no, I haven't. I haven't been there, but it's, it's on the bucket list, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, well, look, we were probably trying to. It, we're we were obviously we bar, were yeah.
0: we were expecting basically that you had, and then you know we were going to see if you could shortball us a connect, and maybe we could get our way there. Obviously, it hasn't gone <laughs> yeah. to plan. But, uh, you know, I'll start, and, with
2: the, I'll start with the Greyhound
0: first and then work yeah. up. You know. Yeah, well, exactly. That's everything. But, cool. you
1: know, look, if it ever comes up and you feel like bringing Tom and I, I'll tell you how I'll <laughs> pay you back, Ricky. I'll show you around Dubbo Golf Course, beautiful 27 Championship hole course. <laughs> it's, in, it's an impeccable Nick. I'm not sure if you've ever played it, but I can, my old man's a member there, so oh, I, can, I can pull a few strings. Yeah,
0: there we go. You'll yeah. pay for his gross fees, right? We'll get you a cart. I
2: just said then it was a bit of a trek to get to Dallas uh, and it might be a bit of a more of a trek to get to Dubbo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drive down,
0: I'll pick you up, mate. That's, that's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we get to the, uh, the final? What is the close of play? Close of to play, sorry. Which is a cab sav, I believe. Um, and we'll get our, our butler, Dave, back here, who's hopefully hasn't been drinking on the job. Um, oh, you forgot the wine glasses. You have been drinking on the job, haven't you? Well, let's go. Is this coin toss number four? This is. This is it's, where two, it's one. 2 1. Ricky, here we go. Yeah. Heads. Oh, we're Ooh. on the ground. We're on the ground. Oh, he's gone heads, heads again. He's got it. All. It's too all. He oh, wouldn't read about it. You would, Jesus. He would not read about it. <laughs> this is tough, Eddie. This is this tough. This is tough. We had it sewn up. Mate, we did... I thought it was 3-0. I well, it was, it was I mean, home. it was 1-0. We didn't need to give him the extra one. We're too nice.
1: Well... But it's it's fair though. It is fair. It it's is Ash's year. Ash is coming up.
2: It's good, talk, it's good vibes. I talked us into it. I talked us into <laughs> yourself for the trap boys. Look out.
1: Okay, so is this a
0: cab sav? That's right. It's a cab sav.
1: Perfect. The from cab and
2: from a, it's a it's from a slightly different region, this one as well. Once again, South Australia. right, yep. um, but, but from Langhorn Creek, which okay. I must admit, going into this venture, um, when Ben Riggs, uh, the, our winemaker, suggested that we should have a cab sav in the range from Langhorne Creek. I'm like, hang on, um, now why, why not the Barossa? <laughs> why not? Uh, you know, why are we going there? He said, nah, look, just trust me, this is one of the most unrecognised, uh, I guess, um, fine wine growing regions in the world, let alone in Australia. And he said, we'll come up with some, a magnificent cab sav out of, out of um, Langhorn Creek, which is what he's been able to achieve with this wine. This wine's actually won four gold medals at four different international wine shows around the world in the last... Wow. 18 months so it's, uh, from new york london yeah so it's um it's done it has done exceptionally well it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sleeper as well because even even me i must admit i'm not a i'm not a huge cab sav drinker um i'm more of a, a pinot and a shiraz sort of guy more rather than i wouldn't ever go to a cab sav as, as my first choice but getting to learn more about about um certainly the region and, and how good the, the cab sav is out of that area then it's um yeah, it's a it's a very drinkable, nice wine, one that you want to come back to. Yeah, it's very, it's very
0: drinkable. It's nice. It's yeah, it is. It's very nice. In terms it's of the, it is it's, it's a bit different. different than the yeah. Shiraz, that's for sure. Yeah. In terms of the process with with all of these wines, like from I guess let's make a cab salve to this is the cab sav we're going with. How much of the what's the process like? How how much of it is the taste? Like how many times you're tasting it? What's the you know? Do you give notes like change this, change that? How advanced is your palate? to know what to sort of ask for.
2: Yeah, so that, that's actually been a really enjoyable part of this whole process. Like, as I said, with the story that we're trying to tell through the brand, there's two Tasmanian wines in the brand. So we had a Pinot Noir and a Chardonnay, which are both out of northern Tasmania, are actually only 10 minutes from where I grew up. And that was, that, we went to that region because I wanted to have that heritage and where I grew up and a bit of a background and, and talk about um, in my, my early days in Tassie. So, and with those particular wines there, um, because Ben is based in South Australia, he's not a real expert on on, on wines from northern Tasmania, and Rana and I um, wanted to make sure that we had what we wanted most out of those wines from Tassie. We left the South Australian stuff up to Ben because he, no, I wasn't going to get involved with someone that's been making wine for 40-odd years in McLaren Vale, so that was, we just had to fully trust him there, but we got heavily involved in the, the tasting and the blending of the Tasmanian wines, which was just so much fun and and we've learned so much through the whole exercise that um you know we 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 now can talk about what we want and what we could taste and what we could smell and um and the the blending part of it was was awesome so to the start the product that we started with in tassie um to compare to what it finished with once we'd actually done that and had the input and done the blending was was chalk and cheese and and I know Rihanna, especially with the Chardonnay. When we when we first got the Chardonnay, it wasn't anywhere near what the style of sort of Chardonnay that she likes. She likes a big, heavy, oaky sort of um, Chardonnay, and that mm. certainly wasn't what we had early doors. But we did some blending, and and then we we t- changed it a little bit, and then we left it in the bottle for six months, and it changed incredibly. So um, that side of it, learning about it all, was 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 a lot of fun.
1: Unbelievable! It's mate, this is very, very, very good stuff. Yep. I'm, I'm very impressed with it. Um, have you got any plans to sort of bring some more sort of varieties in to do? You mentioned before that you're going to have sort of a legacy uh, or milestone sort of brand that sits a, a, above top that, like are you going to have, ever go like really yeah. premium stuff in the future? What are, what are your plans for Ponting Wines?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So even now we've got, we've got a Rosé in the line as well. So we've got a, we've got a Rosé, which is, it's called, it's called the Rihanna Rosé actually it was, um, she insisted that she had one in the line that was named after her. Uh, fair uh, enough. No, that's, that's fair not,
0: enough. That's fair enough. I
2: no, don't mind a rosé. That's not the
0: truth. We're huge rosé drinkers here. here. We're massive rosé fans. Are um,
2: uh, you? Yeah. Well, I'll make sure if you if you like your rosé, I'll make sure that uh, we get some sent to you because you'll, you'll be you'll be more than pleased with the with that as well. That's um that's come up exceptionally well. Um, we have so the the actual icon of the range is is um, a hundred and twenty five dollar bottle of um. And cabernet shiraz blend um uh it's called the three six six um it comes in a, a big green baggy green colored colored gift box with a uh, There's a magnificent big bottle with a wax cap a big three six six logo which is actually printed on a piece of, of material that's stuck on the front of the bottle uh in fully embossed in gold lettering and oh, wow. the three six six obviously is reflective of my um my test match cap number so when i made my test debut i was test player number three six six and when we thought about an iconic wine in the brand, if I thought about something that was sort of most stood out most to me, it would be receiving my baggy green cap. And obviously the number that came with that was three, six, six. So yeah, that's, so that's the icon of the, of the range. I don't, I don't think we'll go. Uh, I don't think we'll go much bigger than that price price point wise, or, um, and we sort of sold those in, you know, gift boxes and gift packs of three and that as well, which have been pretty well received, but I, we'll, we'll concentrate on the, you know, we'll, we, we see ourselves, not see ourselves. I insisted actually that we, we, uh, we present ourselves as a premium brand. I didn't want to just be another wine brand in the, um, in the system. I wanted to stand out from everybody else. And we've tried to do that through the labeling and the storytelling. And certainly we know that the, the quality of the product that we're putting out there is, um, is probably, we're probably over delivering if you like on the price point that we're at, um, which people are telling us as well. So uh, look so it's it's just been it's been an awesome venture so far we, we're really proud of where we've come in a short period of time and we've got some big dreams and visions of where we're going to go I mean we're, we're even in discussions now about buying our own um, vineyard and opening our own cellar door uh, and we've got some uh, big dreams about breaking into the US Oh, sorry the US the UK market and even into the Indian markets in the next couple of years if we and if we do that then we'll um, we can be very proud of what we've
0: done. Yeah, definitely. And look, obviously you say the three six six is gonna be the best. I would say that depending on the way this coin toss goes, the fifth and final, you might actually have another one to add there where you've got if you win this next coin toss, you might have a three two victory over Hello Sport, as also maybe another premium bottle of wine that you could offer potentially. Something to think about. And yeah, you'd call it three two. Yeah, we're
2: coming. Yeah, we're coming up. we have actually actually got to come up with some new names in the next in the next few weeks. Actually, so depending if I lose this three two, it won't be called three two. If I win this three two,
0: then we'll think about. We it. we might do it. Yeah. Uh, look, a couple of things just before we uh, we let you go, if that's all right. Um, North Melbourne fan, I saw you put in your Instagram bio. I mean, obviously you're a good on you to be so public about that. Uh, it's been a tough time. I imagine. <laughs> How's, yeah. how's that go? And and if, if Tasmania were to ever get, firstly, how you deal with being a North Melbourne fan, I'm interested to know, we're rugby league fans predominantly, but also if Tasmania were to get an AFL team, how do you go there? What do you do?
2: Yeah, um, I was very public about my love of the kangaroos in the mid-90s when we won those couple of flags. Yeah. It's sort of quietened down a bit in the last 20-odd <laughs> the, the years. Um, <laughs> no, look, to be honest, look, it. It's funny, and I'm sure it's the same with with you guys and your families growing up in Sydney and the, the clubs and the teams you end up following. Like um, my uncle um, played at my club, played state cricket for Tassie, and ended up playing um, cricket for Australia. So, and you can imagine as a young bloke, I, I, I just wanted to do everything that he was doing. And he 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 barracked for the kangaroos. My mum barracked for the kangaroos, so I barracked for the kangaroos. Um, and yeah, I mean the last couple of years haven't been uh, a lot of fun. I think there's a, a there's there is some upside coming. I reckon in the next few years, but the, I mean, there's got to be the boys there. from Arden Street. Um, yeah, we can't go any worse. You than last year. Down, anyway. There's got to be a little bit of upside there. Um, no, but I mean, which t- I talked about golf being a passion earlier. Like I played a lot of junior footy, and to be totally honest, I I still love playing footy more than love playing cricket. It's it's definitely in my opinion more of a the ultimate sort of team. Game than probably than cricket probably is. Um, so yeah, I I get to it, any game that I possibly can. You know, I, there's stories about when I was touring India in the you know the, the mid and the late 90s when you, you couldn't watch the games over there. I actually had a, a contact back here in Melbourne that had the rights to all the DVDs back then, and I was getting all the DVDs of the North games um, uh, express posted over to my hotels in India, and I bought a DVD player from off the street, and I'd sit back middle of the week. Without looking at any computers or finding out any scores, so I could watch the game, what was seemingly live, albeit about a week and a half later. Um, yeah, so that's how passionate I was about about the well, and still am about the kangaroos. So it's um, yeah, I, I love the club, and um, I've always tried to do whatever I can to help out where, where, where possible
1: i think fair to say that if a tassie team came in he's he doesn't care he's not care no no couldn't care less getting shipped dvds over yeah no one's
0: no one's tuning in for that he's not going to a tassie team no that's incredible passion it's a
2: tough it's a tough one it's a tough one i think it'll eventually happen in tassie i think in four or five years i think there's a really good chance that tassie will have a their own standalone team i I don't think it'll be a relocated team either i think it'll be tassie's own and then i'm then i will have a, a pretty tough decision to make but but the Tassie team might just happen to be my uh, my second team, I reckon. Second
1: I heard a rumour, Ricky, that you're a, a Manly Seagulls supporter in the rugby league. Is that true?
2: No, couldn't be further from the truth. I lived, I lived south when I lived in Sydney. So <laughs> um, uh, I lived in – when I first met Rihanna, I lived in Wollongong. So I was a, a Dragons fan there for a couple of years. And then we moved up into the Shire and I was uh, – Starved of AFL footy and I was ended, up, ended up finding myself going with a few of my mates from Cronulla going to watch the Sharks play every second week. Sharks oh, so, so you've changed um, teams started, as well. Yeah. I, I saw, well, you know what it's like. You live in Cronulla and you don't support Cronulla. North is a, pl- a tough place to survive on a Sunday <laughs> night if you don't support
0: the Sharks. No, that's fair. That's fair. Hey, it's a Look, great point i'm still I'm going to stand by the fact we heard you're an ardent manly seagulls supporter, as are we, and we'll be going out to press with the fact that Ricky really Ricky bullish really bullish on manly next year yeah. going to win the comp
1: Ricky thinks that Manly will win the twenty twenty two premiership
0: yeah, the captain Cut of the it, seagulls the captain of the seagulls daily cherry Evans actually funnily enough a humongous Ricky Ponting fan the just biggest. so you know he's the biggest Ricky Ponting fan of all time, so if you feel like coming over to the dark side, you'd be more than welcome.
2: Well, I have met a few of the boys, actually. I met Turbo Tommy a couple of years ago in the middle of the SCG, actually. Our, our team – sorry, our team. The Australian team manager, a guy called da- Gavin Dovey, is the most passionate Manly Sea Eagles fan that you could ever imagine. Okay. I mean, when, we're away, when we were away on tours, I mean, with, when the Sea Eagles were playing or even when the Origin was on, I mean, he, you could hear him on the other side of the hotel. He's literally screaming – through the windows open so everyone knew what was going on. He has, when the origin's on and he's away on tour, he actually does this, has zooms back to all of his mates and they're all <laughs> watching the game together and you can hear him from down the corridor. So, um, yeah, I got to meet a couple of the boys in the, in the middle of the SCG on, Tommy on his Tur- behalf.
0: Tommy Turbo is one of the, uh, he's an all-time great and he's only about 25. He's, uh, he's on a serious trajectory, much like yourself when you were a young man. Um, we, we sent down uh, a gift for you. Uh, Before in the lead up to this, which unfortunately, and we blame Australia Post, of which we've had some issues with, I'm sure everyone has over the pandemic. You've obviously got a baggy green of your own to represent Australia, extremely prestigious. Would argue that the gift we sent you probably just a slightly less prestigious but not far off, maybe equal. Could be equal. It could be equal. We've also got our own Hello Sport baggy greens, which you may be able to see in the bottom of the shot there. So... We would like to officially welcome you into the Hello Sport 11, Ricky. Um, I know you might want to take a moment to say something to, to the if audience. You look over my, well, if you look my
2: shoulder here. So I'm pointing. that little cabinet there, that yep. little
0: glass cabinet on the top of that bench. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, perfect.
1: Oh, he's put it in. has oh, he put it in there?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd say he's put it- <laughs> I don't know if he's put it on in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Is that the Hello Sport baggy, Green, oh, oh, or is that
1: okay oh wow so I, I,
2: put, I, put, I put one in there, but it's not the Hello Sport one yet. I haven't got that one yet, but that's uh that's a Ridgey dish's not the it's not, oh, it's not the one I wore because you guys remember the one I wore was basically in tatters when yeah. I finished that's um my wife actually put a little gift together for me when I re- retirement gift, and it's, it had um a brand new baggy green on one end and at the other end of the box it had mine, and it was like a storyline of like a timeline of when I oh, started wow. until when I finished with my and it was actually pretty reflective of me as well. Young and shiny and brushy tart at the start. And when I finished, I was worn out and had bits and pieces hanging off me everywhere. So, um, What a great gift. That's yeah,
0: awesome.
2: My, yeah, a nice gift. But I, I'm not sure if you saw, that cabinet that we've got out here only has the one in it that I didn't wear. The one that I wore is well and truly tucked away in a, in a safe oh,
1: somewhere else mate, in the house. I can yeah, imagine. Yeah. yeah, you don't yeah, want that so, one just lying around. But listen, so... Well, it actually
2: Actually, it stinks too much. I can't leave it out in the fresh air. It smells too much.
1: I'm we'll to lock it away. Well, when ours arrives, obviously, you're now a part of the Hello Sport 11. It's a pleasure to have you in there. Um, there's a lot of heavy hitters in there. Peter Vlandy's obviously in yeah, 11 as well.
0: I'm but
1: it look had looked oh. great.
2: I just turned the stove off. Is that okay? <laughs> There goes, the, there goes the house intercom, boys. It's just, it's just so you are aware. My daughter just had a taste of the pasta and
0: it's not quite cooked yet. Okay, okay not al dente. You've got a little chef on your hands. That's I like nice. that. I like that. But
1: I'll look, honestly, I think it'll look great in that, that glass cabinet you've got. If you want to put it in there, it's up to you. You don't have to. No. It'd you you nice might want to put it in the
0: safe, let's be honest. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah, it a, the Company. yeah exactly but mate look we uh we really appreciate um you taking the time to have a chat there's genuinely a a real honor we've uh been obviously massive fans you've been a part of our youth growing up and watching you do the damn thing for australia year after year also not to blow any more smoke up your ass but cl- by far and away the number one commentator Now that you've moved into that, like genuinely fantastic to see what you're doing with Channel 7. Uh, You're, as I said, by far and away the best insight and translates, I think, the best to an audience who are, you know, dribblers like us who pretend we know what we're talking about and largely, you know, don't know what we're talking about. Um, But, yeah, we really appreciate it, uh, you coming on, mate, and I think we probably just need to wrap it up with a… The the fifth and final. The fifth and final coin toss.
2: Uh, I've I've got my uh, I've got my camera here set on so that the cursor is on leave meeting, right? <laughs> Depending on which way this toss goes. If I hear
1: that I don't win, I'm out straight away. <laughs> perfect. Know? perfect. All right. Let's do it this. Comes <laughs> down to this. <laughs> it comes down to this final toss. <laughs> There's a there lot on this. There's a
0: lot on the line here. All right. Let's go here, Eddie. All right. Where's where, actually where's the Where's the waiter?
1: I want, to, I want to have a third judge in
0: here. To just Wait. Right, in case. Dave, get over here. We need you as the third judge. You're going to be the... Uh, the eyes. Yeah. You call it. Yeah, you call it. And you, you, maybe no, you toss no. it. Do we get Dave to toss it? Let's go... Uh, toss it onto the ground. Impartial third party, Ricky. Is Dave in there? There he is. Yeah, right. Right. Got him. Got you, Dave. Yeah. Let's go, Dave. Heads. Ricky's called heads. Ricky's called heads. What is it? It's tails! <laughs>
1: See you, see you, boys. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> see you, Ricky. See you, mate. Uh,
2: in all, In all honesty, I lost the bet. I'll make sure you get some wine sent down. I'll get some rosé down to you, boys, if that's your choice. Oh, that's
0: you're it, a good mate. man. Thank you see very you much. 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 Cheers. Cheers, Ricky. Good on, you.
2: Good on you boys. I enjoyed it. It was good fun. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks mate. Good on, on you.
0: Punish dribbles. that's Ricky Ponning. There you go. Um, that was fucking awesome. That was unbelievable. That was awesome.
1: How often do you get to talk to the second best after the Don?
0: Yeah, and how, how often... Or the greatest,
1: Australia's greatest living cricketer. Yeah,
0: uh, and how often do you get to dominate the greatest coin tosser of all
1: time? 3-2. That's in the history books. That can't be denied. It is what it is. Tom and I are winners. We're born winners. Obviously, Ricky's a winner, but seemingly... Well, not against us, he's not. No, that's right. I will say this, Tom. Ricky is one of the greatest blokes I've yeah. ever yarned to. Yeah, His wine... And this is no bullshit, is
0: unbelievable. Dude, it's so good. It's so good. What are the. Let me get the bottles up again just so we can regale the punter and the dribble here. We've got, obviously, with the first session, which is the Sav Blanc, which is behind us, still in an ice bucket. Uh, just cooling. Staying cool. Just staying cool because you don't want to get warm. We are getting ready to rip into it. Uh, we've got the Pinnacle Shiraz, the McLaren Vale. We've got the Close of Play, which is a Cab Sav. And we've got the 127, which is a Barossa Shiraz. He's obviously got a shitload more as well, but these are the ones we were trying. Now, if you, uh, what's the website you go to, Eddie? Do we have that?
1: Pontingwines.com.au. We'll double check that. Well, though. let's
0: double check it now. Yep,
1: it's pontingwines.com.au. Now, because we're best mates with Ricky Ponting. And maybe getting dogs together? Not maybe. No, we are. We are 100% getting dogs together. Ricky's also agreed that I drive down to Melbourne, pick him up, and we're going to play a couple of rounds at Davo Golf Course. Before we go to Elliston. So, I mean, we're best buds. But because we're best buds and because all of this would mean nothing if it weren't for the punter and the dribbler with whom support us yeah. wholeheartedly, we have done a deal. If you go to puntingwines.com.au and use the code dribblers, lowercase, dribblers, you will get off your order.
0: I mean, he's given given you 41 test tons. Yep. He's given you multiple World Cup wins. Correct. He's given you 19 minutes of run-out highlights on YouTube. He's given you over an hour of his time just now. Over an hour of his time now. And now he's given you 20% off. Legitimately... Delightful wines. Not
1: 5%, not 10%, not 15%, not 17.5%, not 18.5%, not, 18 18, not 19, not 19.8%. 19. 20% off. Pontingwines.com.au, code DRIBBLERS, lowercase. Make the smartest decision you can make today. I'm not, even, I'm not talking any shit. This is not hyperbole. No. The smartest decision you can make today as a punter or a dribbler is to buy his wine.
0: And again... I liked what he was saying where it was like, I didn't just want to sort of like have a wine where it was like, I'm just another wine in the fucking, in the cool, in the fucking bottle. Like from the look down to the design, to the taste, like it, it actually does. Everything about it is like, oh, this is actually a nice wine. Like you bring a ponting wine to a dinner, to whatever. It's like, you're actually having a nice wine here. It's not some $10 fucking horse piss that you're just trying to like, oh no, yeah, it's a fucking No, mate,
1: loose. don't look. Put it this way, it's Christmas this year. You want to make a statement, you know what I mean? You might be with the in-laws for the first
0: time. You don't want to rock up with cat piss. You want to make smart Bruh, Christmas decisions. You rock up to the father-in-law's house with a bottle full of cat's piss or do you go, oh, sorry, Ponting Wines. You know Ricky Ponting? Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you heard of Ricky? How do you bond with the fucking, with the father-in-law? You go, "Hey, listen, Ricky Ponting. Yeah, fucking but also, 41 test also, tons, also, baby. Also,
1: flip it over. Bang, why is it called 327? Why is it a Borossa Shiraz? Bang, I'll tell you why. 127. 127. That was his first debut test score. You know what I mean? Now you've got an icebreaker. Now you've got a story to tell. Now maybe the old man loves you.
0: First test hundred.
1: <laughs> now the old man loves you.
0: Or the mother-in-law. Who knows? I mean, maybe the like, grandma.
1: Maybe the uncle. Maybe the weird cousin. It doesn't knows? matter.
0: Ponting wines bring people together. Yep. There's no doubt about that.
1: Families together. People together. Dribbles trains together. punters together, together.
0: together. Once again, we must thank Ricky Ponting, who has gone. He's. I hope he can't still hear this. But I want him to know. How much we appreciate Ricky Ricky Ponte. went the big lift. Yeah.
1: Pontingwines.com.au, code dribblers. Lowercase. Lowercase. <laughs> uh, shout out to Ricky. Now, a dear friend, uh, keep your eyes peeled. Obviously, that dog will be running yeah. in the next eight, eight months, I'd yeah. say.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, shout out to Punter Power. We didn't actually talk about it, but without the punters, punters and dribblers getting in Ricky's ear and just bloody bombarding the, the poor man, mm. this wouldn't have happened. So to you, we say thank you. We salute you. We salute you with a Ponting wine. That's it. Bye-bye. Wow,
1: well, good shit. Could you two just not talk anymore?